0: Sunday afternoon, I believe the 14th of October, my friends. It's supposed to have been a nice sunny day today. So far, we got overcast skies as it was yesterday, kind of patchy, cloudy. I'm a little bit of a weatherman and a motivator, you know what I'm saying? The weather plays a role. You know? So here I am. I'm leaving one of my favorite uh, friends' houses there, the Browns, the owners of the, for again, mountain goat carving that I made. So this is the largest carving that I have ever done. It is about seven foot, maybe eight foot tall and perhaps circumference and we'll go with, with diameter. So how thick this tree trunk is, we're talking About a five foot in diameter tree trunk. So the circumference, I don't know, 15 feet. It's huge. Biggest carving I ever did. And these people love the friggin' Mountain Goat. Their last name is Brown. I call it the Brownton Goat. They love it so much that several times a year I wind up over at their place Rehabbing the Brownton goat. Get a little therapy on the lad. You now I gotta the the elements, the friggin' Mother Nature, what have you, is not always kind to the Brownton goat. Okay, talking about moisture, barometric pressure, the rain, the cold, the heat, the bugs, especially the bugs. The elements are. It, it, through the medium of this Brownton goat, I'm telling you, you can really understand. It's it illustrates to you very clearly what is up with Mother Nature and how she is constantly, our environment is constantly bearing down on us. So I'll spray paint them up and I'll chip away some of the most hellacious, you know, rich ecosystems of fungi, fungi, that attached to the, every crevice, nook and cranny of this carving. You know, I carved it, I had a friend who's a very good painter, she put all this detail work on it. It's absolutely beautiful. But Mother Nature tries to reclaim it. As an artist, working with wood, it's definitely, it definitely communicates to you. You definitely learn. You know, you can make the most beautiful carving and put as many coats as you want of varnish or lacquer or paint on that carving, but you come back six months later and there's all kinds of crazy havoc being wrought on your on your art. So the Browns, they love this freaking thing. It sits right outside their slider. So as the Browns eat breakfast. They're looking out their slider and they see this mountain goat. And the significance of it is significant. It's you know it's ample. I mean, they they love to travel and they've been all around the all around the world. They're retired. I think they, they were both math teachers or something like that. So the, they retired and they travel all over. They ride their bikes. They visit different places and they have family out in the. Midwest and Colorado. And so they have climbed these mountains and seen these creatures. They've seen these mountain goats that most of us have only seen pictures of with its crazy thick coat of wispy white fur and its black muzzle. How they climb on every escarpment and the top of these mountains, and these big creatures live there, and they love it. Might have seen pictures of mountain goats walking on these crazy, treacherous uh, cliff sides. And their feet are designed to be—they're like excellent climbers, you know. So that's that's the story of the Brownton goat. Now, the the topic of discussion today is going to be rot because that's what I'm dealing with with the with the mountain goat all right I've got ants that ant colonies that live in and around this gigantic tree they've been there for decades I mean this tree is probably at least three decades old it was a little sapling when they first moved into their house 30 40 years ago and it there it sits right outside their their back window grown, and it's, you you look at that tree, it's just, oh, look at the tree, oh, there's leaves out there, oh, it gives us nice shelter, you know, nice, on a sunny day, it it keeps us cool in the shade, and provides some shade to the back deck and all the stuff, it's beautiful. You don't realize what's going on inside this tree. I mean, there are creatures living. I saw some, of course, ants, gigantic carpenter ants, in and around the tree when I was carving it. Listen, I don't know what to tell you. It's a gigantic tree. It's got inhabitants. And I've seen some of the pithy areas, soft areas, where the moisture or what have you, these big pin oak trees, which is what this is, they get moisture in them. They start to hollow out in certain areas. The tree is growing in most areas, and in other areas it's dying. It's crazy. And so there's rot. There's actual hard oak, you know, hard as oak, right? Oak is used for all the finest furniture and stuff like that. It's really hard. really holds detail well. But when oak starts to deteriorate, it's almost like a cancerous process. And so I'll find these soft patches on the Brown and Goat. I'll be like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me. Like, just now I was brushing on some some uh, varnish. And I hit an area, it was making kind of a funny hollow noise and I pressed my finger in and there was like a soft spot beneath the paint. I'm saying, oh my God, what the hell do I do here? This beautiful work of art that these people care so much about and love to look at and admire and have pictures of and put Christmas bows and decorations on. It's got the rot and we're fighting it back. That's what we got to do every friggin' every day in our lives. You know, just like that tree. Parts of us are wasting away or dying. And we have to replace and maintain. Maintain the carving. Maintain our bodies. Maintain our physical and mental selves. And try to replace the rot shore up certain areas so that it doesn't spread. You know, what it reminds me of was back in the day, I had a, uh, I had this little Ford Ranger, and I love that car. It was one of my first vehicles that I had bought myself, a little teal Ford Ranger. I swooped up and down on 95 countless times at the highest rate of speed between Camp Lejeune and home, and it served me so well. Yeah, but it was small. The you know, cab was just a single cab. I was a big guy. Wanted to carry people around with me, have friends, you know, travel a little bit. Had dogs. Eventually put a cap on the back of my little truck. I started to get a little bit weary of it. I said, you know, I'm going to trade it in. So I traded my truck in for a um, a Jeep Grand Cherokee Sport. This isn't the one of the tricked out ones with all the tinted windows and bells and whistles and shit. This is like the boxy, wagoneer sort of deal. And I love Jeeps. Had them all in my life. My parents had Jeeps. I saw one in the newspaper. I went and took a look at it. And the guy was like, hey man, it's for six grand, but if you would consider a trade... I'll, I'll give you an even trade, we'll switch cars right now, I'll give you my title, you give me yours, and I, I was like, this is fucking awesome, man, i got to shell out all this loot, just even trade, look at this freaking new car, and I love that Jeep, it served me so well, ran like a top, fired right up, had four-wheel drive, some cool features, I didn't have four-wheel drive in my, in my Ranger. So I had four-wheel drive. I had more capacity. Um, It it seemed like it was well taken care of. Everything was cool. But this was in western New York. This was in, like, the Buffalo area that I struck this deal with this gentleman. And I think it was a pretty fair deal. But one day I went out into the parking lot and opened up my door and some... Schmutz, friggin', fell off the underside of the door. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I looked down, and it was like rust, like, like wafers of rust. Like I could tell that it was part of the door that had rusted out, and had just you know that sheet metal that all of our cars are made of, that steel, that it had rusted out and it was just like little pieces of very light flaky cardboard-ish material. And I bent down and I looked at that bottom of my door and I put my finger on it and a shitload more of it fell off. And I was like, oh shit, you know, so I feel, I felt like Fucking horrible! I was beside myself that my vehicle had some rust. It Went to, to like a from like oh a little concern, got some rust, and then all of a sudden I'm like, shit! I got a lot of rust. It's gonna look all ghetto because my door panel's gonna fall off. I went to the you know AutoZone or the equivalent, and I got some bondo, and I mixed that up and I put that in the bottom of the door, and I screened it in, you know, provided a framework for the Bondo to stick to, and it looked pretty good. I spray-painted over that or painted that black, and off I went. It looked great. Nobody noticed it. You I should. Mean, shit, I was a starving student at the time, so it's okay to have a little bit of a ghetto vehicle. So, I'm driving down the road summertime not too long after that and uh, I took my shoes off while I was driving I was just like, I had flip-flops on I took them off and I was driving bare feet and I put my foot on the floorboards and I noticed that it was soft and it was wet it had been a rainy day in that summer and I'm feeling like why is it fucking wet here so long story short there was rot underneath my floorboards, and basically the carpet was was very exposed to all of the, uh, the carpet, maybe the carpet lining. Maybe is there a lining underneath the carpet in the vehicle? That was all that was protecting me from the elements. As we would go through puddles and shit in the rain, the rain would kick up. I was like a Fred Flintstone with my feet almost sticking out the bottom of the car because it had the rot, had the rust. I'm like, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me. And I felt like, almost like I had cancer. Like my car had cancer. And it was falling apart around me and I had a, how could I put it back together? And uh, this is crazy, you know? Is it going to spread? Is it going to cause a structural problem with the, with the car? And I felt so bad, eventually I traded that in after I got my first job out of school and I got a Jeep Wrangler. The Jeep served me well, but it was just a horrible feeling, right? So that's kind of how I feel when I'm dealing with this goat. I'm wondering where the next patch of rod is gonna sprout up, come to my attention. Which brings me to my final analogy. It's a story that I remember from back in grade school. There was this, uh, you know, in our in our free time, you know, a little bit of a playtime or whatever. Maybe it was it was definitely elementary school. So during recess or whatever, we had an indoor recess one time, we would play Dungeons and Dragons, and I I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but my friend Ronnie Williams, he was a friggin' mega nerd, like he must have had older brothers or something that taught him or his parents taught him about, you know, how to dominate in Dungeons and Dragons. So there was the 12-sided dice and these cards and a board and all this imagination, all this creativity that he would cut loose. Know, four or five players, we get around, I'd roll the dice, you know, okay, you're going to be a gnome, or you know, you're going to be a warrior, and you know, you have this many hit points, and you have this much strength and speed, and, and so I remember Ronnie one time pulled this trick on me, he said, okay, you come to this cave, and you find in this cave there's a ring, and you know, the ring, you could do whatever, you know, it could make you all powerful, it also could have a downside, who knows? So I said, fuck it, I'm gonna put that ring on. Rolled the dice, put the ring on. He turned over a card, and I can't imagine the card said it. He must have been, you know, waxing uh, creative. But he said, okay, the ring is an evil ring, and it sprouts tentacles into your body, and the tentacles are slowly working their way towards your heart, and it's gonna eventually kill you. And I remember the way I felt. <laughs> when Ronnie fucking Williams put that ring on me with its tentacles and that they were permeating my every cell, I imagined it working its way to the core of my being and ultimately killing me. And that's like the rock. That's like the Brownton goat. That's like um, my freaking piece of shit wagoneer. And that is like life. The rock is coming for us all, and we have to do some things in order to prevent it. Head it off at the pass. Squeeze in as much positive, good productivity, whatever, your task. Whether it's the carpet in your house it's getting wear and tear on it, you gotta break and clean that shit. You gotta take your shoes off when you come in. Whether it's your car, hey, you gotta wash that damn car. You live out in these areas where they salt the roads because of the bad winters. That's what happened to my Jeep, right? You're gonna get the rot. You gotta friggin' wash the undercarriage or get an undercoating or whatever the hell you gotta do. We're constantly trying to stave off the rot. And I just see this in a lot of different facets of our lives. If If you get complacent for a moment, it seems like it's too late, you know? You gotta, the friggin' floorboards are rusted out in your car or your beautiful work of art that you take all the time and love and creativity and paint and varnish and saw cutting, it can all of a sudden shit the bed on you and you got pieces of it falling off. But we're gonna work through our best in all these areas. They all worked out to the positive, right? I'm working on the goat, I'm coming from it now. I'm replacing it so that when these people look out and they see this beautiful creature up there, they're going to see it as strong, clinging confidently to the side of that mountain, to his escarpment. Never to fall. We got to stave off the rot, my friends. Do it today. Ha! processing it. Bye. Oh.